This is Fan Electric Coast, and we're live on the air for the first time with uh, Laura May, Dr. Laura May, and you're an advanced practice pharmacist, functional medicine health coach, and master intuitive teacher and healer. And I want to welcome you to the Fan Electric Coast podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I want to let people know that we are a featured podcast on the Newsly platform. You can see the icon up there. It says listen on Newsly. And you see scrolling below for those who are listening or watching. If they use coupon code GHOST and get one month free premium subscription on that platform, you can try it out. And we are going to be on there later tonight. We are a featured podcast on that platform. That's an audio only platform. So you can listen to the podcast wherever you're on the go on Newsly. And I want to let people know that we're actually at episode 984 of the Fan Electric Ghost podcast. We've been on the air since 2016, tracking on an Apple podcast, getting closer to episode 1000. And then we also have your website, which is www.drlaurame.com forward slash sessions. That will be fully clickable when we're published. So people can go and click through that and get right to your website. So what happens if people click on that URL? So on that page, they have three options. They can choose an intuitive healing session. They can choose functional medicine or life coaching. If you want something customized, I'm more than happy to do that. Actually, most of my packages end up being fully customized anyway. And you can just email me directly at laramay at drlaramay.com. And if you just put in ghost in the subject line, then I'll know that you listen to this show. Oh, cool. Thank you. So you, I want to maybe talk about your background as a doctor and um, as a pharmacist and a health coach. You got a lot of roles. You're a teacher, healer. I don't know where you want to start with um, your background <laughs> for the audience. Maybe you can decide how you want to want to tell that story. Well, we can go in chronological order. So <laughs> uh, I am a you know, Western medicine trained pharmacist, clinical pharmacist, advanced practice in the state of California. That just means that as a pharmacist, I actually practice at the same level as an NP, a nurse practitioner or a PA, which um, says a lot for the expansion of the field of pharmacists as practitioners and and our impact on patient care. But Beyond that, the reason I became a functional medicine practitioner and a health coach and then an energy medicine practitioner myself is because of my own health struggles. I was diagnosed with IBS at 23. Before that, I was already suffering with chronic migraines and really nothing was helping. Uh, you know, a good chiropractic adjustment every now and then could maybe help stave off or like lengthen the cycle of my migraines, but really. By the time I hit my mid thirties, my body, I felt like was falling apart. And I was at a crossroads physically, mentally, emotionally. And I found myself lying on the cold hospital pharmacy floor in the middle of the night, working a graveyard shift in the throes of a debilitating migraine with all the lights off. And I just thought like, I, I can't continue hmm. on like this because at the time, my commute to and from work was an hour each way, 70 miles. So, you know, like not only like once I got off work, wow. was I, I was still going to have to deal with this migraine on trying to get home. So um, I started looking for other yeah, options. I, like I said, yeah, I was I was already seeing a chiropractor and chiropractors are great. I love them. 
but um, you know, I found one, my first functional medicine practitioner was also a chiropractor and she really exposed me just to a deeper level of how the body works and what functional medicine is a root cause approach. It's a systems-based approach, meaning that we don't just look at like in this case, the migraines, for example, <clears throat> looking at your head or your nervous system. We're looking at the whole body. You know, what are you eating? How is your gut health? Mm. You know, the gut health is, you know, the, the key, the core, the basis for, I think really the foundation for the rest of our health and how it is either thriving or, or not. So, um, I, I started there and along the same line parallel, I, like I said, I was not in a great emotional or, or, um, mental place either. So uh, I thought, well, I'll try this thing called Reiki and see if that helps me just release some of this anxiety and, and, you know, just this, I was at that time, just like generally not happy in life. And so um, I found that merging those two modalities together provided not only yes, emotional and mental help and relief, but so much of what was going on physically with my IBS flares, you know, coming and going so frequently too, everything started to calm down in conjunction with the two. So, um, and then I realized, as, you know, doing more research and digging deeper that, you know, pharmacists can be functional medicine practitioners too. Like we actually have a great foundation with our previous education to know how the body works not only like how medicines work, but also how supplements work. And, mm -hmm. you know, are they interacting? Can they be taken together? Once you're on this supplement, do you necessarily need the pharmaceutical and vice versa? So um, I think it's really interesting. And there's, you know, there's a whole group of us out there, functional medicine pharmacists. So um, <laughs> uh, we're, we're growing. And I think we're also like really um, pushing towards and growing towards, you know, the medical team. And when I say the medical team, I'm talking about having your acupuncturist, your massage therapist, your functional medicine practitioner, and your GP or your, you know, your, pri your primary care physician. So, um, and all of these practitioners working together in concert to create the best health and well-being for their patient client, but that that client patient is involved as well. And they're actually the ones running the show. So that's my version of patient-centered care. Patient-centered care is a hot topic word, you know, in, in Western medicine, but <laughs> I think my version is a little bit different than what they mean. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I think <clears throat> that a lot of people, like you mentioned, they don't see a connection between like the mind, the heart, the soul, the spirit, the body. They'll mm -hmm. just look at, you know, they'll, they'll think about what's going on in their head, but they don't connect it to what they eat or her like, like, you know, how, how they're feeling or think it's just a medicine without changing your diet, without, you know, doing physical uh, assessments. And a lot of times things are holistic. And a lot of times, like in the Western mindset, sometimes is it's very like narrow lane focused and just think that this this magic bullet's going to solve it. But that this mad one thing's going to do it without looking at the whole piece. So you had been talking yeah. about how you had migraines and maybe you got were able to get to the root cause of the migraine because maybe it wasn't just one thing. You seemed like you were you were stressed. Oh, I was very stressed. Yeah. 
you know, you, you yeah, know, long commute. I was working at yeah. There yeah, were a lot of maybe factors. Your nutrition was was was. It was know. not great then. Yeah, no, yeah, because people don't put it together. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, but, you know, yeah, it's just not how we're taught. It's not how we're taught as consumers, and it's also not how we're taught as practitioners in the Western, you know, uh, structure of things. So, you know, in Western medicine, we're taught. It's systems based, but it's not connecting the systems. It's like systems as little islands all throughout your body. You have cardiovascular, you have thyroid, you have, you know, your reproductive, your gastric, but we very rarely in Western medicine look at the whole picture and connect all the dots where that's exactly what functional medicine does. And you're exactly right at that time in my life, uh, because even though I had all these diagnoses, no one was talking about the food that I was putting in my body. No one was talking about the effect stress was having on my, not only my psyche, but also my body. No one was talking about how shift work and graveyard work was also adding another layer of inflammation and stress to the whole picture yeah, um, on sleep. top of that. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I mean, it could be yeah, affecting it, your sleep, right? Okay. If you're doing a graveyard oh, shift, you're interrupting your normal sleep. And then if you're not getting enough sleep on top of like nutrition, if you're drinking too much coffee to stay up, then you don't come down. And then you have other, oh, there's all these interactions that we find mm -hmm. that, you know, a lot of times like the primary care doctor doesn't tell you to like really think about, like I go for my, my checkup, do they really ask me about what I've been eating? They just look at right. the numbers, but they yeah. don't. They don't think about it. like a nutritionist or think about a holistic doctor, like a naturopathic doctor. Is going to look at a lot of stuff you're intaking and actually suggest different behaviors. You know, maybe less pesticides, more organic, more vegetables. You know, things that would be greener for you, less packaged. And and, and you know, the packaged stuff is convenient, but then you start getting problems. And then we're like, well, why am right. I having these gut problems? Well, because you're taking this, you're eating this. And it's like, you're not connecting the dots. And then you take medicine, and then you take a medicine for the side effect, and you the side effect of that, and it keeps on progressing. You're like, what, you know, did you get to the root cause? It seems like so yeah. you're trying to get to the root cause across exactly. the spectrum of multiple legs of your body, your spirit, your mind, and your heart, right? That, that, yes. Right? Yeah, I lovingly call Western medicine Band-Aid medicine because unfortunately for chronic illness, it, they're just throwing Band-Aids at ever-growing, you know, expanding wounds and cuts. Now, if you actually have a wound and a cut and you need surgery, Western medicine's great for that. Definitely go to the ER, you know, like mm -hmm. if you've been in a horrible accident, don't skip mm -hmm. the emergency room. But um, for chronic illness and even just maintaining or even the concept of creating wellness, Western medicine, unfortunately, is just not, that's not how they're educated or what they're focused on. And so no fault to them, but, you know, for those of us that do want to create our health and create our wellness, how do we do that? Where do we find those tools? And I think that's a perfect place for functional medicine to come in because functional medicine physicians, nurses, pharmacists, doctors, whoever, acupuncturists even, they do collaborate with other practitioners and they do say, well, you know, you know, they will refer you to if they see another modality that they think can help you or support you in your journey to wellness 
they will bring that in. So there's a lot less of this. Um, sometimes there can sometimes be this weird energy in Western medicine where you might have to like fight or advocate for yourself to get to a specialist if you feel like you need one. Whereas, yeah. you know, with, within the, the alternative healing space or the natural healing space, we are all about like, oh, this is what I do, but I know this person over here that does this also. So let's bring them in. We'll all work together. We'll get you, you know, like where you want to be as, you know, as fast and as soon as we can. And, you know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, if the doctor even asks you about your food, well, and unfortunately the food guidelines that, that even some most registered dietitians and nutritionists, if they're again, operating off the, what the Western medicine protocols and guidelines say, those are actually not the best food recommendations or guidelines, you know, like now we have the plate, but even if you look at the plate, the plate is still <laughs> mostly carbs. Yeah. And it's like, we know how damaging carbs and sugar yeah, is to the right. body. Like, and, you know, and we're still demonizing certain fats yeah. <laughs> and we're still telling patients to eat low fat, you know, high fiber, all this other stuff that has been proven to just like drive us further into inflammation and further into to disease. So, um, yeah. so again, you know, good on them if you're asking, but it is, I, it is interesting. Know, grain of salt. <laughs> also, like when you go through your Western medicine practice, there's a lot of it that is controlled by these big conglomerate healthcare companies, insurance companies. And then what you run into is even if you go ask for a specialist, then the, the, the plan kicks in and said, well, we don't support that. We don't support this right. doctor. We don't, they, they, there's some things they won't pay for. So if you want, yeah. want to do something through the Western thing, they, they put limits that they'll say, well, you know, we're no longer, I'm a diabetic. And suddenly they, my blue cross suddenly said, they're not going to let me take the, 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 the insulin I've been taking for 15 years, they suddenly decided they didn't want to cover it because they didn't want to pay for it. So it, that has nothing to do with my health. It has something to do with right. them not wanting to pay for something when I'm right. paying for money. a service and then they're making a decision saying they don't want, they don't want to pay. It's like, well, it has nothing to do with the quality of the care or, or the fact that my body was used to this and now suddenly they want to shift it. So I had to go take on my own. I went to a Canadian pharmacy and got it that way. Yeah. <laughs> and then I said, well, yeah, I'm going to go to a Canadian pharmacist and do, do it the way I want. But it's like, I, you have to go through hoops and sometimes you need to go get a naturopath. They'll just like, or a holistic plan doctor or somebody like yourself, there's, is talking about, you know, these other modalities, other th things that we can get into the whole idea of um, wellness outside the, the Western space. Like if you get into like, mm -hmm. you know, en energy healing and, and, and the other types of things you're talking about that people might not be familiar with. And maybe we can go into some of those other aspects sure. because I yeah. think you were talking about in some of these things is like energy stagnicities and emotional storage and trauma storage. These are not things that if you go to a Western doctor, like what's that? They'll be like, right. they won't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh, and I actually, I was on one show, a good friend of mine, and she's like, I don't think stagnicities is actually a word. I'm like, well, whatever, I'm, I'm inventing it. <laughs> so what is that? It just means like every experience we have, 
whether it's a trauma, big T, little T, a heartbreak, um, you know, a, a loss, uh, something that seems emotionally significant is stored in our body and it creates an imprint in our cellular structure. And now we know that actually backed mm. up by scientific mm. research that this whole concept of being triggered is because when your body is, or when your mind is re-exposed to something that it sees as familiar from that previous experience that left that imprint, then it triggers that physical fight or flight. It can trigger, you know, epinephrine, norepinephrine, cortisol, yeah. any of those, you know, those those literal physical visceral reactions yeah exactly or even freeze sometimes you know um so that's real and mm -hmm. again that's just that's a perfect example of something energetic that triggered something physical in your body so if you've not processed the emotion the trauma the experience whatever it is then it is it is still in your body. And so every time now you are going to be triggered when you are re-exposed to whatever that stimulus originally was. So the key there is to, you know, process it, to allow yourself to feel those emotions, to work through it with a practitioner that you feel safe with, that creates a safe space for you. And and so that you don't hold that energy there because what happens, let's say like you hold this energy um, in your abdomen or even like, let's say a heartbreak, a horrible breakup that you had. And, you know, you're, you're holding that energy in your heart space later on down the road that you could, you know, develop breast cancer. You could develop a heart attack or heart disease. You could develop, you know, cancer in your abdomen or um, some sort of like inflammatory bowel stress response so these emotional mm -hmm. things actually do can turn into physical ailments if we don't address them and the classic thing in western culture is to, to push down push down ignore ignore buffer 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 you know like numb 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 yeah. with whatever it is whether it's food alcohol drugs porn sex any of it shopping you know social media just don't feel that sort of become like Western cultures mantra about almost everything. Don't feel it's too hard, but really we need to feel, we need to move through these things, allow these things to move through us so that we're not holding on to them and they're not being stuck in us causing problems, you know, sometimes immediately or later. It just depends. Yeah. It seems like a lot of times they go, you know, if you're, you're growing up in certain households there's like there's certain mindsets they're like they're not open to freedom of expression they're not open to revealing you know frailty they look at that as weakness they look at that as not being stoic and so mm -hmm. then it, then you end up pushing things down you can't if you're in a household and your mom and your dad don't want to hear the things you have to say because they you know maybe you know, they, well, we we just we just toughed it out, and Grandpa yeah. toughed it out, and Grand you know Granddad, Great Granddad toughed it out, so you should tough it out, and and that's yeah. the problem is they so then they feel then you may go into a, a spiritual session like you know based on your religion and like and it, it continues like you can't talk about that, you can't express this, 
You can't say that. You can't even admit who you are if, if you don't yeah. fit the paradigm. And so these things become so, you know, it seems like very top-down kind of um, controlled, controlled mm -hmm. environments that don't allow you to to be express yourself. So then you numb yourself, like you said. Like you, you numb yourself or you try to push it down. If you don't numb it, you try to block it. And, and then people don't realize your organs start to have reactions or your, your gut has a reaction. Then you have, you know, you get IBS or you get like some kind of problem in your abdomen or you start to have heart problems or you start to have lung problems and you're like why mm -hmm. well because you're not dealing with the truth you know being a creative person <clears throat> I'm, I'm an artist so i tend to use art therapy and music to totally express exactly what i feel into pieces of art and so i feel that very cathartic and i've got a space and in, in my household all of my whole family are artists my wife my daughter and we don't push down that we say that, that that's good so we're very much like in the kind of bleeding edge of that type of stuff. And we don't really push anything down in that way. So we, we were very expressive. A lot of, there's some people that, you know, we can't talk to because all they want to talk about is the weather and they can't talk to us <laughs> on any other level other than sports or weather. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so you're like, okay, but well, that's where, that's where you are. So, okay. Right. Yeah. Got to meet people where they are. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I think what you were saying, like, you yeah. know, growing up in households like that, um, you know, even where at like maybe super young ages, you're told, you know, stop crying, don't cry. And so even before we can, we really have sort of a lot of these conscious associations, we're being told to disconnect from our emotions. And we're being taught to ignore our intuition. So, you know, I teach a lot of intuition classes and a lot of different modalities. Reiki is one of the main ones. I'm a master tuned and trained teacher in three different Reiki modalities, Asui, Angelic, and Crystal. But I also teach a channeling and just intuition in general. And, I'll, you know, I get this question a lot is, you know, well, do I have to be special or gifted to be psychic or intuitive? And the answer is no, we all have the ability to tap into our own intuition because we are all connected to source. We all came from source. We're made up of the exact same things that the stars, that the planets, that this planet earth is made of. We are the stars. If you look at our cellular makeup down to each atom and molecule and element. And mm -hmm. so it's just a matter of reconnecting, of re-remembering and undoing so much of that learning or that conditioning that we endured as our tiny human selves. Well, as an artist, one of the things I, I, I run into a lot with some artists is, is trying to be too perfect. And part of being oh, yeah. like, like, an, like, you know, an artist that's very open is that I feel that musicians are, we can channel. There are a lot of times the poets talk about, about the muse, they talk about the universe. And a lot of musicians, I am into freeform jazz and experimental cool. music. So I'm not into trying to make it exactly perfect. I'm into actually experiencing what I call stream of consciousness, the happy accident. It's kind of like what like Hendrix, an example of this is Hendrix was one of my favorite guys uh, in, in music. 
was playing with the Isley Brothers. He was in a recording session, and suddenly he just went off and did something that wasn't the song. And then they asked, well, "What are you doing?" When the universe gave me this 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 um, this new vibe, and I had to put it down. And he was the kind of artist that he it would just come to him, and he wouldn't care what mm -hmm. the setting was. He would put it down, and he'd get in trouble because people said, "What are you not supposed to do that? You're in the session. You're supposed to be controlled." And he's like, "No." If the universe yeah. gives me something like this, I'm going to use it. And, and a lot of people are not willing to do that because they're, they're right. told they have to sit in the box. They got to be in the cube. And you see the artists who kind of push it are the ones who are willing to kind of take that and, mm -hmm. and, and go with it. And uh, I think that, that's that's kind of like my experience is, is you, you know, within a world, people are trying to be so perfect because all these machines and AI and editing to make the perfect track, I kind of go back and well, listen to this song from the Stones in 72. Is it perfect? No. But is it vital? Yes. Because of its imperfection. Because it's not exactly. perfect. Because they, they were yeah. just trying to be what, it, you know, just, just let that song be. Let it happen. So many people are trying to make things into what they think is going to be expected. They, they just keep on repeating themselves or trying to fit in the frames. Yeah. And I think it's in terms of like a mindset, if you have that mindset, then you don't challenge, you don't listen to your body. So you go to the doctor, you're too scared to tell the doctor what you're really feeling. Like mm -hmm. my father, he used to like, well, the doctor's going to find it. The doctor's not going to find it if you don't tell him. <laughs> and he used right? to be like, he wouldn't tell the doctor, well, don't take the test and they'll figure it out. It's like, I'm get so mad. It's like, What's the point in telling me if you're not going to tell yeah. the doctor what you're feeling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I to I totally get it. I and you know, and it's it's interesting this whole concept of perfection. Like we're humans, we I feel I think our souls chose to incarnate here on this earth, which is a very imperfect realm, in order to experience differences dichotomies polarity challenges physical senses you know we we are a perfect soul that came from perfection in terms of source god whatever you want to call it but while we're here on this earth perfection is actually unattainable but it's the journey back mm -hmm. to that soul self that we learn that we're challenged, that we grow. And I was just having this conversation with someone else before we hopped on here together. And, and if we can just shift our perception of those challenges of that growth into, wow, isn't this fascinating? You know, be curious, be willing to roll with the ups and the downs. And even when we're low and we're down, we know it's just temporary. So what's that next thing around the corner that's that could be an amazing opportunity? And, you know, that, again, it's a shift in perspective, but it's an opportunity for us to take this life that is imperfect and embrace it for that beauty and realize, like you just said, it's the imperfections that create the good song, that create that beautiful piece of art. That even in nature, yes, there is sacred geometry, there's symmetry, there is you know, that that perfect um, symmetry in nature, but still there's so much imperfection 
And, you know, that should be celebrated because we're all each yeah, an imperfect, <laughs> wonderful individual. <laughs> well, it's like the other thing is it's like this, um, you know, place for meditation or clearing out energy and raising vibration. And a lot of times in music, like sometimes we can get trapped in, 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 in this kind of thing. I can get trapped into a loop where I'm sitting at something for like eight hours trying to get something right. Hmm. The better thing to do is to kind of walk away mm-hmm. and kind of and kind of clear out, kind of shake it off, because you get into this thing where you're not getting, you're getting diminishing returns. And I think this happens mm-hmm. in work too. I see, I'm a software guy, and I I see a programmer that is sitting at their cube for four hours straight, and it's not they're not getting it done. And and people would measure them, the management going to measure them and say, well, it's because he's sitting there, he's not taking breaks. They're like, but is it actually solving the problem? No, it's not. So the the, the counterintuitive sometimes is like, you actually have to shake it off or walk away, or or kind mm-hmm. of you know find a way to clear out your frustration or your anxiety. What I think, see, what I seen in both those situations is like your anxiety gets so great that you're not productive. Right. And so if you can kind of shake it off and find a way to recharge, you can get back to product to, to something that's going to work. And some people would just think they, they would just keep on plugging at the same thing and it's not solving the problem. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I think it's a great way to bring in meditation and, and to also highlight the fact that meditation doesn't have to be sitting still in a room by yourself in silence, you know, telling yourself to have no thoughts. That's I don't think that's meditation. Meditation to me can be walking, breathing, you know, inhaling the beautiful nature around you, bringing in the sunlight into your body. Um, But it can be Mm. sitting still. And when it's sitting still, just listening to your breathing, that beautiful rhythm in and out that never stops. You know, that's the one thing that keeps us alive is breathing. That's the best and easiest way to meditate. Guided meditations are fantastic. I still, even though I've been meditating for, uh, I don't know, I started meditating in pharmacy school when I was suffering from insomnia. So that was a long time ago, but I still love guided meditation. So there's, um, I also like, I think we sometimes put these perspective of perfection, even on things like that, that these tools that are meant to help us that are meant to sort of like get us out of our head. We're like, Oh, but it's not good enough. Or I'm not doing it right. Or, you know, like I must be screwing it up somehow. (laughs) So um, just be gentle with yourself. Allow yourself. Sometimes like, yeah, I mean, I'm. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, cause I'm a Buddhist and there's some Buddhists. I'm a Nishun Daishonin Buddhist. And sometimes we do our chanting Nami Ho Renge Kyo. And there's some people that perceive like, well, if I chant Nami Ho Renge Kyo for eight hours straight, that's going to lead me to some kind of perfect state. And I'm like, that's not necessarily what Nishan Daishona was talking about. That you don't, mm-hmm. that just because you did it for eight hours, it doesn't mean that you could do it for 15 minutes. You could just be out in the woods doing it and you could get this, you could get a, a brilliant result. It doesn't have to be that kind of sequential thing you're putting to become a Western mindset onto something that didn't have to have that because it is whatever suits that moment and it could be different. It doesn't have to be the same. Uh, And and that's Mm -hmm. where I think people make the mistake is the fact that, that it doesn't have to be perfect. You could do it with a group. You could be by yourself. You could be 
you know, in front of the your um your your at your at your um, meditation point, or you could be out in the woods because you know nature is a cathedral. You could be mm -hmm. on a boat, you could be on a canoe, you could just be at peace. You could be even on a train and get yourself into a state where you kind of you know, zoom into it and kind of do a breathing exercise. You could be whatever suits the moment that you need to do that. And that's where, well, then that means there's no right way. Well, like, why? Yeah, there's probably not a perfect right way. It's whatever suits what you need at the at that time. Right. Yeah. So I think this takes us back to listening to learning to listen to ourselves and being willing to try different things. So maybe you try, you know, just the breathing. Maybe you try the walk in nature. Maybe you try the mantra meditation. I know when I was teaching myself to love running because for years I had hated it, but I decided to train for a triathlon with a friend of mine and I knew the running was going to be the biggest challenge for me. So I thought, well, I'm going to teach myself to love this and enjoy it so I'm not miserable. And I did that with a mantra meditation. So I would, as I would run, I would chant um, the Ganesha mantra. And I don't know if you can see it, but the little tie-dye picture back there behind me is, is Ganesha. And uh, he is the, one of the um, mm -hmm. Indian gods removing obstacles. And so I would run and chant in time with Um Gan Ganapatiye Namaha. And I would just do that over and over. I'd have like great meditative music with no words playing. And that's what, I, and finally I got to the point where I enjoyed it. So, you know, like just play with it. It's supposed to be fun and enjoyable. Um, and like you said, like when you're pounding away at something, it's time and you notice you catch yourself because eventually you'll catch yourself in that cycle of not making progress. That's your cue. Get up, go to yeah. the bathroom, go take a walk, go outside, maybe go stand on your head. I mean, whatever is going to help you shift yeah. your perspective. Yeah, like uh, and give yeah, yourself recharge. a break. Yeah, yeah. Our brains definitely need breaks. Well, you, when you're talking about like, with like breathing exercise and kind of clearing your head, like in a world where people are so connected by smartphones and social media, that when you, if you can disconnect from all that and get yourself like a kind of calm spot of like just peace without the noise. Because I think a lot of times, if you go back and look at a lot of the great art that was before all this technology, it was because mm -hmm. there was like, there's actually room for like silence. Like a lot of times, if you're an artist, like they talk to a lot of, I've, I've watched so many documentaries by different artists and they would say, you know, it's kind of when I just went off, didn't give myself a bunch of expectations. I gave myself some, some peace. I just went off somewhere mm -hmm. and like, I needed to kind of disconnect and not really try to force it that things will happen when you give yourself some breathing room and you give yourself some yeah. contemplation time where you don't have to be exactly. so tied up by the world. And a lot of people are so like, well, I've got to get this on a plan. I got to put it on the project, put it on the whiteboard. Yeah, you have to, at some point you do that. But there's a lot of stuff that kind of blue sky, steam of consciousness that you have to trust yourself. I always tell people as an artist, if you trust yourself and just go into like a stream of consciousness session, just do something off the cuff and record it. And I've talked to authors and all kinds of artists, that, you know, painters, that if they just go at it and, and kind of just like a, in, in a flow state 
and get themselves into this kind of flow state, it, it will actually come because you, you've kind of let go. You had to let go the overthinking. I yeah. think that's in this world today, there's so much overthinking. Yeah, well, and again, I think that's because of our conditioning. I mean, how many of us were daydreamers as little kids and we were, you know, like taught in school, hey, come back over here, pay attention, you know, or or even maybe told by our parents, daydreaming is a waste of time. You got to get out there. You got to go, you know, work or find a skill or, you know, a trade or something like that. So I definitely think that, you know, daydreaming is valuable. It's what allows us to even think that some of these, you know, um, concepts or adventures or, you know, anything is possible. And, you know, so much of the of the self-help world talks about manifestation. Well, in order to manifest, you have to know what you want. And there's, I think, a whole slew of people out there that have no idea what they want because they haven't even given themselves the chance to dream or daydream about it. Yeah. So, yeah, because they've been told that dreaming is kind of silly. You know, if you're told that, you know, you need to be more pragmatic, you have to be more stoic, you have to be more, you know, um, realistic. Well, you, what you find with, with artists or creative types is, you know, sometimes they push the boundaries and the bleeding edge of that. So if you're going to be told that that's silly or that's not something you could do, that's only something like, Tennyson could do, or Hemingway could do, or this person could do, then they, they, you kind of put yourself out of the running. All human beings are inherently creative. But if you feel that that's only like the top one, two, five percent of the po population is capable mm -hmm. of doing that, then you put yourself out of the game. And I, I think that's a mistake because you can be, you don't have to be a musician or a painter. You can be very artistic in your day-to-day -day life with how you operate mm -hmm. in your life. If you take if, if from that point of view, you come from like a very creative point of view, you can kind of rebrand your whole life to be who you really want to be. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it can show up in your wardrobe. It can show up in, you know, your hair and your makeup and, you know, like I know a variety of ways, like you said, in your daily life. So um, yeah, just I feel like we need this almost like a renaissance of a willingness to just show up as us. Um, I think it, social media has mm. been an interesting phenomenon to watch unfold. Uh, I was born in 1980. I'm at the tail end of Gen X. So I was a kid born mm. before any social media existed. We were you know, walked outside with as kids and given a pitcher of water and said, don't come back until after dark, <laughs> or, or at yeah. least come back by dark, you know, like, go play outside, don't bother us adults inside. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but now we have, you know, a whole new generation that have been raised inside, <laughs> you know, and grew up yeah. on video games and, and all this yeah, technology. Well, their imagination. So, yeah, yeah. If you imagine, I'm a child oh. of the 70s. I grew up with Lego mm -hmm. erector sets, you know, oh, stuff yeah. that we had to just make up things. So we didn't have yeah. the games. We, you know, in 1972, you got a Lego set and you built your own world. You got an erector set, you got Lincoln Logs, and you had imagination and you made things up. I remember playing yeah. with my brothers and we just made things up. We just.
had very, very vivid imaginations and made these worlds up and into drew our, our crayons and did stuff and construction paper and put things together. And we didn't have to be guided. It wasn't like, oh, I'm in a video game in an open world. I'm being guided. And so many people are being guided by all these things without coming up with their own thing. And I think that mm-hmm. maybe that's why I, I'm so creative and a lot of people, you know, that I know that grew up in that time are musicians, are artists, are photographers, because they that's what they grew up with is having that open imagination and not being given prepackaged kind of imagination, which I think yeah. is kind of limiting. You know, with you getting so many packaged things that are supposed to be for your kids and they're just playing this this preset thing. Mm-hmm. Where's the imagination to build your own world? Yeah. Well, and there's so speaking of coming sort of coming back to the whole meditation and and the concept of manifestation too, is that in like I already mentioned, like you have to know what you want. Give yourself that time to daydream and come up with different scenarios. But then another piece is feeling the energy. So once you've decided that there is something out there that you want to create in your life. One big step that I feel like is missed a lot is the feeling. So how will it feel when you have it already acting as if it's there in your life? So whether it's money, a new job, uh, a partner, a relationship, you know, um, any of menagerie of things, maybe even it's like having a hit song or, you know, having your piece of art shown in, you know, a famous gallery, really spending time to sit in that feeling so that, again, we talked about that cellular imprint. So just like you can have a cellular imprint of a negative experience, you can have a cellular imprint of a positive one too. So imprinting that positive experience, those positive feelings into your body that actually helps manifest and attract more of that into your life. It's called the law of attraction. And a lot of times it's written off yeah. as woo woo, but there is science <laughs> behind it because all of this has vibration. And so when you're putting that vibration out, just like music has vibration, when you're putting it out, you're putting out that resonance in you know the world of physics, that's what's coming back to you. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So uh, think about that too. When you there's something in your life that is not there that you want to be there, um, yeah. Well, I feel that you can you can self actualize. You see it with a lot of artists. Like they, they have a dream, they have a vision, they put it out there, and like the law of attraction. If they if they if they believe in themselves, mm-hmm. then it becomes infectious, and then you see like, well, how did they do that. Well, they, they had a really strong belief. And some people look at that, well, that's arrogant. And if you look at a lot of people who, who have, you know, become the CEO, become like the author, become like the, 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 the big life coach, it's because they had this kind of vision and they actualize that vision. And then the law of attraction comes in and then people feel it. And, you know, I'm a big believer in, 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 in you know, sound waves. I'm a synthesis. Mm-hmm. I design sound waves and I and I, when I play in concerts, I can see what happens with the waveforms I create and how people react to them immediately. I immediately get feedback from the sounds I create from the audience. So you yeah. can see it as a truth, right? When you're a musician, you can see how these sound waves, which came from 
your voice or your instrument affect other people. And it's not something you can touch, but you can hear it and you can feel it. Mm-hmm. And what we call the vibe, right? How you yeah. like people pick up these vibes. As human beings, you go into a room, you can feel like these bad vibes. I'm getting like bad, bad feelings. But that's a real thing. You're in mm-hmm. tune with it, just like you're when you hear a song and you get the beat and you're moving your body, you're picking that up. But you can pick up the negative and you can pick up the positive. And you can right. pick up the melancholy. You can pick up all those things in waves. And those waves are coming out from your brain and from your mind and from your soul and from your body and from nature, from everything. Mm-hmm. And you can pick it up from everything if you are open to it. You know, indigenous peoples believe this. You know, Eastern you know, concepts believe this. It's just the Western concepts say in some, in some cases, they believe parts of it. Right. They don't believe well, all of it. Yeah. And, and now we have... have to embrace all of it to kind of get where you want to go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's why it's all I talked about. I like to say, like, I'm bringing, you know, the science and the woo together to show that they really are just mirrors of each other. <laughs> You know, and our heart is one of the biggest signal emitters of our bodies. And um, there's an organization called the Heart Math Institute that has really focused on this. And they've come up with um, different models and ways to create heart coherence. And essentially, it's a it's a way to bring down the stress level to, you know, bring your body into what they say they call a state of coherence which, you know, as waves would be like waves that are in sync with each other versus dissonance, which if you saw it, you know, as waves would be like yeah. waves that are like, like not hum, in sync with each other. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like yeah, exactly dissonant, like you dissonant said. Dissonant waveforms yeah. versus harmonious waveforms. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, when yeah. we're in music, right, we can get into like our, we can tune to get in tune mm-hmm. with the key. So if you're in a right. band and somebody's in the key, you know, it's a C major or G minor or whatever, and they're out, they're not in that key, it will be very dissonant. And then you say, well, that's not clicking. So you can immediately see you're out of sync. And then you can, you can actually right. get into sync. You can do like a waveform sync. And, and I have oscilloscopes that show when my waves are in sync and out of sync. I can see things that are dissonant. I can see the white noise, the pink noise, the blue noise all the different types of noise forms, the different, mm-hmm. the, we, we give them colors in music, like pink noise, black noise, okay. and, and they mm-hmm. have different effects versus like the dissonant tones versus like the, the things that are like feedbacking or like really jarring or things that are very harmonious and very symphonic. And, you know, when you right. start to understand how these waves work in, in a song and in a structure and when you're playing with other people, you can get into kind of nonverbal communication, like where a lot of artists, if you're in a group, you know when you're in tune, you know when you're in sync, you don't even have to say it, you can feel it. And if mm-hmm. you're playing with a group, like in jazz, like we feel it, we, we, we will, sometimes we'll be totally harmonious, and then sometimes we go into dissonance or chaos, and then we come back, we go back mm-hmm. out, and it's kind of like life, and some points are very dissonant, and some points are very harmonious, and some points are kind of in between. And, and, and that's kind of how life is. And you, you, you're trying to find that harmonious point, but some places it goes off. It's, it's like, can, mm-hmm. you, can you play off of those moments and come back 
to like right. harmony. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. Like, one of my that's like the goal. Yeah, one of my teachers <laughs> used to say, you know, it's not about being perfect, but it's how quickly we come back. How come how quickly we come back into harmony, into coherence yeah. with ourselves, with our inner being. Um, yeah, with being comfortable with where we are in this world at this moment. And that kind of goes into the levels. Like if you think about like your blood, your glucose level, right? Your blood pressure level, your blood, blood oxygen level. Like if you start to be, if you're out of sync and your oxygen level is bad, your glucose is too high or it's too low. Your, 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 your blood, you know, all these different levels, there are things that you can get into. Like, well, there's food that's affecting why your levels are where they are. Like if you're a diabetic and you're going into too much carbs and too much soda and too much alcohol, you're gonna get really bad A1C, mm -hmm. you're gonna get really bad numbers. It could take you out. Yeah. I'm a diabetic because I, I and I, I have like a continuous glucose monitor. I can see where where I am. Mm -hmm. And I can see like if I do what's not recommended, like go crazy well with a pancake, well, I really shouldn't have that pancake, you know, because it's gonna it's gonna knock it up. So you should yeah. go you know, like have something that's more, you know, better for your number. And you can immediately mm -hmm. see the consequences of what you do. You know, now the tech is is there where you can see, well, if I do this, it immediately does this to my body. And then now I have right. a responsibility to like make sure I stay in, in the right zone. <laughs> yeah, I have finally been able to come up with a way to integrate continuous glucose monitors into my practice for those that don't have them. Uh, because having that immediate feedback is so important and so valuable, not only because of the food, the food is is great. And uh, depending on where you are in your journey with healing your diabetes, you know, you might be at the very beginning where you're just figuring out like how much will this apple throw me up versus how much will, like you said, the pancake versus if I just have a piece of bacon, what will that do? But look mm -hmm. at those numbers when you're stressed and notice what happens to those numbers when you're stressed out. If you're yeah, stressed, you're anxious, <laughs> you're all wound up, they go up. And I have so many of my clients that like after, you know, two weeks, of the food plan and you know making all these changes and they're like feeling really good about themselves and they might not have the continuous glucose monitor but they still have they'll still do the finger sticks and they'll come back and say but my numbers are still high why why are my numbers still high i'm like how is your stress level let's talk about stress and what it really does to the yeah. body and you know it is not pseudoscience and is not woo woo to say that stress causes inflammation, it shoots up your blood glucose because it goes into fight or flight, which also tells your body, okay, you're going to have to run soon. You better start making glucose. So again, this whole concept of, well, I have to eat so many carbs a day. Yeah. No, your body's going to make the glucose that it needs when it needs to. So keep that in mind. You know, and again, if your doctor is saying, yeah. this is how many carbs you should have every day. Mm, again, grain of salt. <laughs> Because, you know, is your doctor yeah. also saying, yeah, jump, feel free to jump in and interrupt me at any time. <laughs> no, but it makes sense because what I find is like, because I'm, I'm a Nishon Daishonin Buddhist, when I chant and I do my meditation and my breathing exercises, I can see my numbers kind of do really good. 
if I, I was in a meeting with my boss and she stresses me out, then I can see my numbers go up. Right. And it's like, so I can see like, okay, I did this thing that, and these are, this is not food. This is something that happened where I'm doing meditation. I'm kind of controlling my breathing, controlling my not being stressed out, kind of knocking my pressure down. But if I'm in a meeting and I get stressed, then I can see that number go up. And you can same same way as if you drank a, some soda or you ate a candy when you shouldn't do that. Well, you know it's going to do that if you're, you know, depending on what type of diabetic you are. Then you mm-hmm. can see that like there's the things that you physically do and there's things that are less physical, but still have an impact because they, you know, they trigger like a fight or flight type of, you know, thing where it's like, in a, you know, adrenal response and it's like cortisol. And then you're yeah. getting stressed out because like the wolf's there. Well, my boss is the wolf. Yeah. It makes me feel like I got to run. <laughs> you know, like, like, I just like, want to run for my boss. Feeling like you're out there. And it, it's like the same. Like, that social situation that triggers you, right? That you're out there in the world and then you get triggered like the wolf, which would mm-hmm. trigger our ancestors or the saber tooth was triggering our ancestors to get. But it's like, it's still real. It's right. just a different thing. And now you actually might get triggered more than the wolf. Because like right. in the modern world, there's all these triggers there. And this is where I think what you're talking about is like learning how to de-stress from those real situations that are, you know, it's conversation or it's a inter- interaction that's causing the stress. It's not like somebody's chasing you, but if it, it does the same thing. Yeah. And actually being willing and investing in yourself and that time to figure out what is triggering me, especially if you're one of those per- persons or people walking around that has just sort of a um, high level, low level, whatever level of like constant stress, constant anxiety, maybe even, you know, dealing with some uh, depression too. We really need to hone in and figure out where, what is the source of this? Because if, yes, there's Western medicine treatments, but really, finding a coach, a therapist, someone to a, some sort of practitioner to work with to help you get to the root cause of these and start processing and healing from them. Because if you continue to live through just like constant stress, then that's when inflammation and disease develops. I mean, really, it's inevitable, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, we've got so many people that you're wondering if they're diabetic because of these stressful situations that if they went to an alternative type of therapy, not just mm-hmm. Western medicine with insulin and all the other medicines they give the diabetics, is like if you actually embraced other types of uh, treatments, that if you actually mm-hmm. try, like you said, identify the source of your stress, identify yeah. mitigation at the things that you can do that maybe aren't medicine. It may be it's a mindset, you know, maybe exactly. it's nutrition on top of the mindset along with physical activity and maybe some medicine because maybe you type one and you do need insulin, right? You can't right. get away from it. You, you, you might be in a situation where you have to have it. But, but it's like the holistic picture is like you look at everything, right? You look at everything that you might have to do. Absolutely. That's And again, you know, we want to be creating health and creating wellness, not just trying to get through 
this life, you know, with as little disease as possible, right? So, you know, how do we do that? We have to look at our thoughts. We have to look at our lifestyle. How are we sleeping? How much are we moving? What is our community like? Do we have an artist or musician community? Do we have a church or spiritual community? You know, what kind of support system do we have? Um, and then, you know, like home life, how is life at home? Is it good, bad? Could it be better? You know, there's always room for investigation and tweaking. And to me, like constantly looking for ways to improve and or help maintain what I've already created for myself because things are ever evolving. Like our, our bodies are constantly changing, you know, and that's a good thing. So the only thing constant in this life is change. We just have to figure out how to make that change positive yeah. for ourselves. I think some people want things to have like, Oh, I want to be able to just solve it at one moment in time. And that's going to be my solution. What I find is like, because you're constantly evolving and things around you are evolving, it is never going to be like this one size fits all. It's all even when you learned techniques, you're going to have to adjust. You're going to have mm -hmm. to adjust to like every scenario, things that you didn't anticipate. And so I think a lot of times, you know, there's no easy answer. Like life is life. If things right. are going to happen, that you're going to have to make adjustments and that's why you have to have therapists or coaches or other people to help you along the way. And it's, uh, you know, you're never kind of done until you're done. <laughs> the way I look at right. it is like, as an artist, <laughs> like I continually evolve as an artist because I want to keep on, I could keep on doing the same thing, but I find it yeah. more interesting to try things I don't know how to do because then yeah. it challenges me and then, then that makes me happy. Some people are uncomfortable with that, but I think in your life, you have to, have to kind of progress by doing things that you might be a little unsure of, but you should explore it. And I think that's why our brains are built to be able to do that. And we're never really done learning. No, no. One of my, one of my teachers is um, Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks. And uh, the collective Abraham likes to say the work is never done. Um, and then something else that I really love that what they say is happy, healthy, happy, healthy, happy, healthy, dead. <laughs> and I just, I love that concept <laughs> of, <laughs> of being, of choosing to be happy, healthy, happy until we're not, until we, you know, till we move on back yeah. into the, the non-physical. Into another space. Yeah. Another. Yeah. Back to the well, I think from what we've had is a very illuminating <laughs> conversation. Very met. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, very metaphysical. You. But you know, being an artist, we're kind of in that space. That you know, I think a lot of my audience, because we're artists and we're creators, we, we're in the more predisposed to listen to what you're saying. Then that's why I bring folks on the, on the podcast. Is I want people to have these kind of expansive conversations that kind of challenge paradigms and get people to think, which is what, what the whole purpose of the show is, is to hear what other people have to say. And, and maybe yeah. you can take a nugget of what we said and find a way to integrate it into your 
point of view or 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 at least listen to it and and understand it and then look into it so again look at the link we have here for drlaramay.com and that'll be fully um clickable so you'll be able to investigate all you know getting an appointment with you maybe you can tell the folks again what if they click on that link how they can connect with you Sure. Yeah. So go to drlaramay.com forward slash sessions to sign up for a session with me, whether that's life coaching, energy healing, or functional medicine. You can also pop over to drlaramay.com forward slash store if you're wanting to maybe uh, buy a program that will be more self-guided. I have uh, one of the first ones you'll see on there is actually called Blood Sugar Mastery because I do work with a lot of uh, patients and clients with insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. And so helping bring truth and real information that's going to help people has been my passion ever since COVID. Um, I shifted my practice from, from gut health over to type 2 diabetes as a focus because I'm so passionate. And unfortunately, Western medicine does such a poor job when it comes to managing and um and helping diabetics so yeah. uh anyway so yes so drlaramide.com forward slash sessions or forward slash store those are two links that can take you to either a live session with me or you can buy a bundle or you can buy a self-guided program there's lots of options Well, we, again, I want to thank you for being a guest on the Family Electric Ghost podcast. It was very informative, and I, I hope people will uh, check out your link and, and, and book uh, uh, an appointment with you or to talk to you or check out the, the offering from your store. Again, thank you for being on the show. And this will be out on all the platforms. We're on all the major podcast platforms. So we'll be out there tomorrow. We're currently will be on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch uh, as we were live. But all the other platforms will be on tomorrow. So we'll, we'll give you that landing page for your audience. And again, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody.